This is uh, Paul Schneiderman today on the 119th edition of Sports Untold Podcast, also on Rainier Avenue Radio. My special guest today is University of Puget Sound basketball player Will Poland. Did I pronounce your last name correctly, Will? It's Poland, but Poland, you know. I'm sorry. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad I checked. My, my, my <laughs> bad. Uh, Will, I'll get back to you in a minute. My podcast is now on Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, Google, iTunes, Podbeam. You can go to sportsuntoldpodcast.com, listen to some of my shows. I encourage my listeners to uh, click the like button regarding my show and comment, and you can go subscribe on Spotify and the YouTube channel and some of the other outlets. Um, Will, let me get back to you. Will uh, is a graduate of King's School in Shoreline, Washington, uh, where he started in basketball. He was captain of the King's team. I believe his senior year was on the team that won the state championship your junior year. Is that correct, Will? That is correct, yeah. Okay, cool. And I believe it's a class A school, Kings, right? Yeah, 1A. Yep. 1A, 1A good. Uh, Will is now a student at University of Puget Sound, where he is studying business in the business leadership program. He's a member of the Lager basketball team in the Northwest Conference, an NCAA Division Three conference that is composed of nine universities uh, in the state of Washington, Oregon. Uh, Will, I appreciate you coming on the Sports Untold podcast also on Rainer Everett. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good. So I, I got to make sure I don't bungle the pronunciation of your last name. It, it's like Poland. So it's Holland. like Poland in the Holland. air with a D at the end. So Holland. Okay, good. I, I have a tendency to bungle names. So I got <laughs> to do my best here. Well, Will, you're a, a college basketball player. And basketball is obviously a big part of your life. Uh, why don't you just tell us how you got the basketball bug? This is one of my Customarily one of the first questions I ask guests. Yeah, I mean, I've been playing basketball since I've been three or four. So as long as I can remember, uh, neither of my parents were really big basketball players at all. My dad did motocross. My mom just played some other sports. Um, I think just the fast paced competitive competitiveness of the game really uh, stuck out to me. Um, I think just going to camps when I was young and being around some big name players, like I went to a John Brockman camp from UW and um Ryan Appleby and I think I just have been around a lot of great mentors over the years um I played lacrosse for a while but when it came time to choose between basketball or lacrosse I just kind of want to be indoors but I just I was probably better at lacrosse but I really just love basketball and um I was just I think it was really just came down to the people I was around and the great mentors I had that inspired me so now you're playing college basketball well Will I want to share this with you and the listeners if I look at my cell phone now and then it's I want to see if we're getting any comments from the audience so that's my little uh if you, you see me look around a little bit I'm still listening but but got just, it no okay I, great well yeah. um you attended King's school a private school in, in Shoreline Washington actually a couple of years ago I watched one of my nieces play soccer at at King's. I know it's a good school. How did you like attending at King's school? Yeah, no, I, I had a great experience. Um, I just, I came in seventh grade. I went to some Everett public schools and after a while, I just thought I had a bigger opportunity for education. It really wasn't about basketball for me. I just thought education wise, a school like King's would um, really push me. And it just came with the fact that the basketball program was really developing or developed um, with Corey Kispert and just a bunch of talent there already. Um, I, I came with my friend from my AAU team. I had no idea he was going, but we both came at the same time in seventh grade. And I had a great experience all in all. Um, 
being that program. I mean, I, I could talk hours about how much I learned on being in that program, just about discipline and toughness and uh, being a great teammate, starting in your role, accepting your role, all that. Um, I really learned a lot being a part of that program. And I mean, education wise, I was set. And uh, my coach, Rick Skeen, just got the starting job at Northwest. So I'm really proud of him. Um, but he was another reason like why I continued to love the game. Um, and I mean, apart from the success, I mean, I know a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go to state every year or, you know, compete in some of the bigger games in the Showwear Center and all that. Um, so I, I really loved it. And I'm super glad I went there. Um, can you share a basketball memory or two that you had at Kings that really stands out? If you had to pick one or two, Will. Yeah, I mean, like obviously the state championship, that whole run, we were the 14th seed, which I mean, the, the rankings are a little messed up, but we were the 14th seed and we just had a really great season. We all came together at the right time. Um, so winning the state championship was great because I played a big role in that. Um, I played probably 33 out of the 36 minutes in some of our overtime games. And that was a great experience. And then I think my entire senior year, despite it being a shortened COVID year, I just had a really good year and played in some big games against um, Seattle Academy. We had a really big rival with them and Leo De Brule, who's now at UC Davis. So he and I would clash heads. And um, that whole year was just amazing, full of some, filled with some big games, big wins. And um, if I really had to say two, I would say my entire senior year and then the state championship my junior year. So... Fun memories for sure. All right. So I had Noah Neubauer on my show recently. He's a UW walk-on player. I had another walk-on player on Jim Farrell, who played walk-on football at UW. And Jim is actually now writing for King County Prosecutor. And those two athletes went a somewhat different route than you went. They went to a Pac-12 school and decided to walk on. Um, I asked Noah and Jim a similar kind of question. I'll ask you this question kind of in reverse. Um Kings is a great school. You had a great career there. Is there ever a side of you, though, that wishes if you went that you went to Garfield or like a 4A kind of school to play basketball? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. Um, I mean, I think what comes to my head at first is, you know, it's, it's bigger than basketball. Um, the community there at Kings and everything like that really intrigued me going there. Um, I mean, I had a great basketball experience, but at the end of the day, the ball will stop bouncing eventually. And you really have to like, you know, have great connections and a great education. And I'm not saying you can't get that there, but I know I was set at Kings. Um, sure. I think big, being at those schools could have given me other opportunities or whatever playing in the Metro. But at the end of the day, although we were a small school, we were playing against the bigger schools in out of, you know, out of um, league play. And we were going to invite only tournaments down in Arizona that other schools weren't going to. And I, I think I'm, I'm happy with the fact that I stayed at Kings. I, I had a great basketball experience, um, but it's definitely a valid question. I, I know a lot of guys that have been around were saying, I have to go to Metro, I have to go to Metro to get seen. And I totally respect that decision. And I think whatever fits the person like that person um is what they should go with but for me i think kings was the place for me and allowed me to flourish it's interesting your to hear your perspective on that 
well and and there's a lot of balancing there you know Neubauer played at Garfield and you know he probably would have got a lot more playing time in other school even other Seattle high school so there's a lot of stuff to balance there but I I think you're uh the the answer you gave uh there's a lot a lot there so I want to hear about your decision to attend the University of Puget Sound in Tacoma um I lived in Tacoma my first year as a law school back in the 90s and I used to go to that uh UPS athletic facilities and work out. So it's a great campus in North Tacoma, but tell us about your uh, decision to, what led you to decide to attend UPS? Yeah, um, well, I guess I'd start out with my sophomore year. I guess I'll start with this. My sophomore year was about 85% of my recruiting because of COVID. So almost all the schools that I had talked to um, were all from my sophomore year of high school. And I kind of laughed about that because I was not the player sophomore year that I was that I am now or my uh, was uh, junior senior year I really made a big leap um, that summer so I guess I can kind of see um, but I went down to a showcase um, west coast high academic camp west coast elite and actually Aubrey Shelton my coach was coaching me and he just had a liking for me and he had always been a great guy um, and just he really stood out to me in terms of a coach that I felt, you know, at home with, and he made it really seem personal. Um, and again, with COVID, you know, emailing coaches and sending out film can only get you so far. And there were some other uh, teams in our conference that had reached out to me. Um, but similar to Kings, I kind of was looking for a, a really good education and UPS stood out for me, um, especially with the business leadership program was a big um, pull. Uh, yeah, I was, I was looking at some schools, maybe in the Midwest, because my dad um, was from Minnesota. So some Minnesota schools, California, you know, along the West Coast and the D3s. Um, but I'm, I'm so glad that I picked UPS. And but I also do think that definitely COVID played a role. But I think that was a complete blessing disguise um, in terms of where I landed, because UPS has brought me to meet some great people and great athletes and great professors. So my recruiting really kind of stopped <laughs> like after my sophomore year, and especially being like a D3 athlete. It's not like D1s were knocking on my door or anything. <laughs> so because I had that in-person relationship with coach Sheldon, none of the texts and emails and stuff really did, did it justice for me from other schools. So that's kind of how my recruiting process went. Um, you play, so you just finished your freshman year at UPS, right? Yeah. Why, why don't you mention uh, one of your favorite highlights or two of your first year playing basketball at University of Puget Sound? Yeah, so basketball-wise, my very first game, actually, I really, I mean, coming in, I was confident that I could contribute to the team, but as a freshman, I really had no expectations. I just stayed humble and worked hard. I, I had no idea how much I was going to play. So the first game, I was like, well, if I play two minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes, like, I'll just be happy. And that's when my mom texted me. She said, just no matter how much you play, just play your hardest like you always do. So I got in and I missed my first shot or two, but I just kept shooting. And I ended up with like 20 plus in my first game. And I was like, just it was like the greatest moment. And like so many people were there because it was the first game of the year. Um, and that was a really big moment, like stood out to me. Um, and then just like overall, I think just some of the memories made with the guys, um, I think wins and losses, we kind of struggled this year and we can 
we can get to that whenever if you'd like but um just just being with the guys and getting to know I, I don't think there really is another team probably in the conference with a group as close off the court as us um super good group of guys and just battling out of practice and sitting in the locker room two hours after practice after being completely dead or after conditioning um so with that first game it kind of set me up for failure I kind of thought I'd should do that every single game. And as a freshman, that probably kind of landed badly for me. But, um, and also playing against schools like Whitworth and Whitman, who I knew historically had been really good, PLU, um, that was awesome, like being on the same floor as those teams as a freshman. Um, I mean, they're just, they're just college athletes too, but I know like Whitworth had been running our conference for a while. And although we bought, lost both times, like we were close at home and competing in front of all of my friends and stuff was uh, a really good opportunity. Well, you've got a real story there. Not too many freshman college basketball players have a 20 point plus game in one of their first games ever. So that, that's, that's, that's a neat, that's a neat part of your uh, history that I think you'll share to people, to people for many years. That's really yeah. neat. Um, I got a great guest today. This is Paul Schneider on the Sports Untold podcast, Will Paulin, and I encourage my listeners to like, comment, and go to Spotify. You can look at my show or YouTube and other outlets, and you can also go to sportsuntoldpodcast.com. So um, UPS, you guys compete in the Northwest Conference, and I'll share with the listeners. It's a Division Three conference with nine universities that are in the state of Washington, Oregon. And I'll just mention the universities, uh, George Fox University, Lewis and Clark, Linfield, Pacific University, Pacific Lutheran University, University of Puget Sound, where Will attends, Whitman College, Whitworth University, and Willamette University. Those are all, all good schools. Um, to, how have you found the competition in this conference, Will? Um, it's, it's a bunch of shooters. <laughs> uh, it's been, it was good. I mean, I, I, I guess indirectly I'll answer is I went on, I wanted to go to a school in a conference that I knew I'd play. Um, and all respect to guys that want to grind it out for two to three years before they play. But for me personally, if I was going to go to school to play basketball, I want to be able to play. And with that being said, I, I think, um, the competition is competitive, but it's at a reasonable level, at least like for a guy like me, I mean, um, you know, and I'm sure you'll hear this from a lot of D3 guys, but the skill level at D3 is right there. It's just size and athleticism. Really, that's not. Uh, I mean, you can't really do much with a 6'6", crazy athletic point guard going going D1. Like, you can put all the time you want, but if you're a 6'1", kind of shorter, like, unathletic guard, you can't really do much. Um, but it was, it was good. I mean, my freshman year, I never felt, like, overwhelmed, but I definitely felt uh, it was – I was at a place where I was pushed and I had – uh, growing room places for growth um, in my game uh, but overall I, I, would, I would say it's solid uh, definitely teams like Whitworth they have great talent but across the board so many teams are pretty similar in talent it just comes you know comes down to coaching and togetherness and can you come together at the right time but you know competition is good so it was, it was a great great first year so a lot of set shooters, a lot of like six foot two ish. <laughs> a lot of shooters. Like that's, that's what kind of runs the conference is just a bunch of shooters. Um, guys that'll just, they can hit six to seven in a game, just like that, you know, and sure it's D3, but these are guys that are on the shooting machine, 
shooting machine just as much as any D1 guy. They just don't have the athleticism or size um, as, you know, higher level, like D1, D2. But, yeah, there's a bunch of really good shooters. Are, are a lot of the centers in the league maybe like six foot six, six foot seven inch? Kind yeah, of yeah, it's a lot of, I mean, six five, six six, six seven, depending on how athletic. I mean, there are taller guards too. There are six five guards. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're a six seven or if you're a six nine big who has any hand eye coordination, you're not going D3. So, and there's, a lot more guards in this world guys who are shorter but can handle the ball and shoot than there are six seven you know really talented big fellas so um i mean our we've been fortunate to have some solid big men that are six five six 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 have good hand-eye coordination um can shoot the ball a little bit but all around yeah it's about the size of the bigs in our conference gotcha um well, I want to ask you something that's been on my mind is um, what was your favorite of these universities to travel to for games? I, I mentioned, I won't repeat all the, the, the universities in your conference, but w- which one did you enjoy the most traveling to? Yeah. So, um, well, unfortunately I had COVID uh, when we traveled to Whitmer, uh, Whitworth and Whitman. So that was our, our longest, well, let's see. Yeah, those would have been a lo- our longest um, road trips and that I, I missed. So I don't really know. can't really speak on that. But we did, I guess, let's see, what would be my favorite? Um, I mean, in terms of, like the environment, uh, George Fox had a pretty like those students were loud. Um, but I think we, we did a flyaway tournament. I guess this isn't in our conference, but we did a flyaway tournament down to Chapman and Redlands. And that Chapman gym, for whatever reason, was so packed. I think it might have been their first game out of Chris. I don't even know. There were so many people there, and those students were just ruthless. So I guess that's not really answering your question, but that's a game that stands out to me, that those the crowd was just really, really loud. Um, but I like playing at PLU, too, just because Crosstown Rival, and they had a lot of fans. And my high school teammate, Shane, that I went to Kings with, he went there, so we were playing against each other. That's a game that also is always circled on the calendar. Well, I was that was going to be my next question, a little bit of the, about the UPS PLU rivalry. But let me go back to the, the travel question. And, 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 and by the way, when you are able to visit Whitworth and a couple of these other universities, you can get back to me and tell me what, how you enjoy traveling to those sites. So, so uh, unfortunately, as you mentioned, due to COVID, you were able to travel to a couple of those schools. But when you guys travel, is it mostly train or bus travel? Or do you guys ever do any air travel? Yeah, we take, I mean, all the, schools in our conference are within five to six hours at most so we take buses charter buses and then we'll do a tournament or not a tournament but two games down in california is usually our like main travel main, main travel um so it's usually buses and what i've heard is i was not on these bus rides but what i've heard is the bus rides to whitman and whitworth are pretty brutal <laughs> um especially you get done with your saturday saturday game and you're not staying in a hotel you're just booking it right back to campus which that's tough at midnight and 1 a.m you know you're all sweaty and stuff so that, that's old that's old school you have to really love playing to, to go through all those bus no, that's, you're right <laughs> so i've been aware of this rivalry between these two pierce county universities pacific lutheran university and university of sound for many many decades and i i believe it's been written up as one of the best small college rivalries in the country 
Um, is it, I know you weren't around 30 years ago, but is it still a really big rivalry? It is. I mean, like the past few years, I PLU has been, I'm going to be honest, pretty dominant of us to my understanding. Um, so that's not always fun for a rivalry, but in terms of just kind of like the bitterness between teams, it's, it's still there. I mean, we know them, they know us really well. Those games are always just a matter of heart and grit and who can just battle it out. Um, doesn't really matter the scouting report. You just, you know, who's in front of you. You just got to play harder. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, coming, coming into UPS, all I knew was we hate PLU. That's all I really knew. Uh, so even during summer ball, summer, summer ball going into my freshman year, we had played PLU and we lost them both times during the season. But during the summer ball, we came out and we just smacked them. And I was guarding actually the conference MVP and I was just talking trash. Like, I, didn't, I mean, I didn't know what was going on. I was just doing what I thought was right. Um, so it's always been a good rival and looking forward to maybe some closer contests going our way this year. Um, but especially, and now that my closest teammate plays there, it's just kind of continuing for me too. So. Although, although it's a big rivalry with UPS and PLU, you still like your former teammate though. <laughs> oh yeah. No, we, we'll, we still training. I think we're training together tonight actually. Okay. okay. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, it's just a good rivalry and, I mean, I, I haven't been around so long, so it's not like people are really chirping at me yet, but I'm sure my junior, senior year, they'll be talking about some details that they shouldn't be talking about. Well, it's all business on the court, though. How, how did the UPS basketball team do this year? Uh, we struggled, and a lot of that was to the fact that we were young, and we probably lost – I think we lost nine games by five points or less. So we were right there. I mean, we lost to Linfield, the co-champs, twice by two pounds two points or two or four points. Wow. Uh, we lost to PLU one time at home by four. Um, we were beating Whitworth by 10 in the second half, and we lost that game. We lost a lot of close games, moral of the story. Um, just lacked some leadership, and I think that's not on one person. That's on a team, you know. I think this is another topic, but heading into this year, I think being a sophomore, I can have more of a voice. Um, but we struggled a little bit, but I think our heads are still high. We were just young. We had a lot of freshmen playing, including me. Um, best, a lot of our better players were sophomore. You know, we were just a young team. So they go up, right? Yeah, I think this year, and it's not. I mean, every everybody, everybody's gonna say, you know, next year, next year. But in my unbiased, honest opinion, I think we will have a much better year this year. <laughs> so how does it work? Well, does the winner of your conference, the Northwest Conference, does that winner get an automatic? NCAA Division Three playoff bid. Tell us how that works, how the playoffs work. And, um, yeah, with your um, okay. the West Coast kind of gets screwed, more of the story. Um, but, yeah, in order to – I mean, in order to uh, make it to the tournament out of our conference, you just you have to win. Um, very few times do two teams make it because they don't like ranking teams from our conference high at all, even on the women's side. Like, our, our women's team was ranked, like, 17th or 20th the majority of the year and then they kind of just a few games down the road they kind of um fell short they didn't make the tournament you know and they were ranked a lot of the year it's kind of crazy but you have to win the tournament so if you place top four uh you're going to be in a 14 bracket and one place four two place three and then you'll have your conference championship 
So one team makes it and then one team makes it out of, I believe one team, maybe two, but usually one out of uh, Chapman and Redlands, that conference down there. Uh, but yeah, so our, the West Coast kind of gets screwed, <laughs> unfortunately. So how, how many Division three men's programs make like the playoff tournament? Oh, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's 64 as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, and it could be 32, but I think when I did a quick little Google search a while back, I believe it was actually 64 teams. Um, a lot of Midwest East Coast teams, a lot. I mean, I looked at some of the Midwest um, like schools from the Midwest with maybe not even the best records would make it. And there's schools from, you know, the West coast that have lost three or four games and they won't. And there's teams from the Midwest that are 18 and 10 or whatever. So um, a lot of good talent in the Midwest and East coast, but I think it's 64, I believe. It's a single elimination tournament like the NCAA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like the NCAA division one. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, that's kind of, that, that's frustrating. Well, hopefully I can follow your career. We'll, we'll, we'll hear a story of you being part of a UPS team that makes the, the tournament one day. So. You know what? That, that's the plan. <laughs> that's the plan. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so we hear so much about big time college sports right now. One thing that's coming up are na- name, image, and likeness issues. Now you have like University of Washington players getting paid to go on KGR sports radio. I mean, now players can can, can make some money, you know, through the, through name, their name, image, and likeness rights, just based on some court decisions, just a whole different era. So have NIL activities hit the University of Puget Sound yet? Do you have any like Tacoma car dealerships trying uh-huh. to offer uh, kids any promotions or anything? I, I'm just curious to see if, if, if NIL stuff's hit UPS at all. Yeah, I'd probably say no for the most part. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons for that is just the fact that, I mean, we're Division Three athletes. Our names aren't that big. Um, and not to discredit Division Three, it's just the fact that, like, a Division Three athlete sponsoring a dealership or whatever is a little different than a big-time D1 player <laughs> um, or just any D1 player, like from the University of Washington or California, whatever. Um, so not yet, but I think – Maybe as time goes on um, and social media continues to be a part of that, um, I think they might, you know, I, who knows? It might be maybe on more Division three athletes to reach out um, and say, hey, here's what we can do. This is what I can do to help um, sponsor you over social media, be active on social media, instead of just saying, hey, my name is blank and I, and I sponsor this. Or like, you know, they're sponsoring me, you know. Um, so not quite yet. We'll see though. <laughs> well, you know, Tacoma and Pierce County, like I said, I, I know your your Tacoma Pierce County reasonably well and I lived out there and they take a lot of pride in their institutions. And I would not be shocked if some small businesses or bigger businesses at some point want to have some PLU or UPS representation in their promotions. I mean, I would not be surprised it happened, but but anyhow. Oh yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you. I just it hasn't happened yet, but again, like once once businesses start to you know hop on that train other business businesses are going to be like what are we missing out on and i'm sure people's representation in a day of social media you know athletes representation in a day of social media is continuing to be a more of a precedent in today's day well it's just incredible how the world's changed in college sports even just a couple of years ago we would not be talking about the, the hypothetical of a tacoma car dealership offering well uh some money to do a promotion or something so it's <laughs> Things, things have changed are changing a lot in college sports. 
So th th this is a, I think I asked you a very similar question earlier. And I asked Jim Farrell and Noah Neubauer a similar question as well. Um, and I asked you the, the initial question about your decision to attend Kings versus a decision to attend uh, a larger high school. What do you say to a guy in high school right now, um, a, maybe like a younger version of Will Pollen, um, who has a decision to make whether he or she should walk on at the UW or Division One school or go to a small college and maybe get more playing time. What, what advice do you give to a person maybe a couple years younger and you know what to do with that decision? Yeah, um, and I, I think honestly, um, as silly as it sounds, it's really just depending on the person. Um, but I think I, for me, I wanted to play. So um, I wanted to play right away and I knew that not that I was going to or that they would want me to, but let's just say I had the opportunity to walk on at UW. Um, and I reached out to them and I said, whatever, I go to this high school, um, I don't need to play. I just want to be a part of it. Then, you know, if I had that opportunity or if I wanted to do that, I, you know, I could have. If that's, if you want to be a part of a big program and gear education at a big school and be around some high level talent, your four years or however long you stay, then that's great. Um, I just, I wanted to play. Um, I, I could totally see value in going to those big time games and just, you know, watching from the sideline. But again, those guys play in practice. They, they're a part of, they're a part of it too. It's not just like they're there warming up with some practice jerseys on, like they're there, they're doing scout team. They mean as much to the team as other guys do just because they don't play, just because they don't get playing time. That doesn't mean, you know, they're not an important role on the team. Um, a lot of those guys really contribute to the culture, um, making sure everyone's on top of it, you know, keeping track of the small stuff. Uh, but I would say to a younger person, uh, do what fits you. Don't let outside voices or big time names just call your name because of it. Don't let a big Pac-12 school just, just because the name influence you just to go there and sit if you want to play. Um, at the same time, there's also validity in um, being a part of a big program and contributing in different ways and having that big Pac-12, Big Ten, you know, logo on your chest. That's huge for some people and just being a part of it. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's some, that's some people's dreams. If that, if that's their dream to be a big D1 school, whether they're playing or not, then that's their dream. So that's what I have to say. <laughs> a lot of balancing. Yeah. A lot of trade-offs and, and, and balancing there. Um, I, I don't know if I should ask this question, but I will. I'm curious. My curiosity is going out. What would you do if a, if a division one program called you and said, well, we'd love to have you come play at UW or Washington state or whatever. How, how would you handle that? Like as a walk-on kind of thing? Walk on, transfer scholarship, whatever. Would, 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 well, would, would. <laughs> I guess like, I guess let's just assume it'd be like a walk on position. I think at this point, I'd probably just stick at UPS. Um, again, like, if I was at the point where I was just like killing it, and somehow I had the opportunity to play Division One basketball and actually like contribute a little bit more than than just like at practice, then I would weigh the <laughs> I'd weigh the opportunities. Um, and again, like, this is just, some people might think I'm BSing about this, but I honestly do really value education and culture out of school. And I've met some really great people at UPS, um, and have really valued my first year of education. So I, 
I would definitely weigh the chance, like the opportunity and see what the school's education is like and the culture and the program. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm happy at UPS and getting the education that I'm getting. So that all said, if you graduate from University of Puget Sound, play basketball there for four or five years, you will feel a lot of peace then. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Tell us about the coaching staff. What's the coaching staff like at the UPS basketball program these days? Yeah. So I think I feel like we have a, a diverse, a diverse coaching staff. Um, we have a few former players, um, head coach coached at Lincoln. He actually played at UPS um, and he's been great. He's puts in a lot of time for our program. He uh, it's his life. So he, he's created a good culture and really trying to flip around the culture at UPS, um, getting some good, my class and the upcoming class and just the guys on the team are really trying to come together to make a good culture. Cause that's really important at the D3 level. Um, Cause the talents across the board is pretty even as I've seen in my first year. Um, and our assistant coach Lane is really responsible for a lot of our strength um, strength and conditioning and making sure our bodies are right because it's crazy. I did not think even at the D3 level, I did not think that, you know, it'd be such a toll on your body. Like it's a long season, you know, six weeks of morning workouts and you're into the season and injuries happen like left and right. So you really have to take care of your body. And then coach Barson Collins, he's, uh, he's really been a great mentor for me. He knows what he's talking about. He's always putting his, uh, input in and pulling me aside saying whatever you're doing right now keep doing it or I need I need you to focus on this right now or you know giving me little pointers here and there encouraging me and then coach Sean uh, he's a big goofball he played he played college basketball he's like six nine and he's another coach that just does a lot a lot of our scouting and pays attention to small details um, watches a lot of film for us um, gives us a lot of great feedback. So I think overall, our coaches really work well um, together, really um, cohesive. Um, so, so far, you know, I've, I've loved them and they've been great for me. Are, are they faculty members of UPS or do they teach any courses at all? Uh, no, they do not. Okay. They do not. And what's the head coach's name again? Aubrey Shelton. Coach Shelton. Okay. And tell us a little about your teammates. A lot of them from the Northwest. Uh, where, where are some of the teammates from? And tell us a little about your teammates. Yeah, so we have a bunch of guys. Um, Washington, California. Um, we have one from Idaho. But in terms of how much I like them and stuff, they've been great. Um, I, we kind of have a quieter group, not going to lie, and I'm, I'm not really like that. But um, I've they've all treated me like I've, I'm their brother in the first year, and I've really um, – build a great bond with a lot of them and even like the basketball house there's a group of four or five guys that live together and they're always inviting me over just to chill or just a place to come hang out or if I need people to talk to um, they're great and in terms of where they're from we have a bunch of from California um, we have some from Washington Idaho uh, my roommate was from or is from Portland um, I'm probably I'm definitely missing a few but we have a front like Olympia, O'Day. Um, we had two from O'Day and then a bunch of California guys. Most of the Northwest then. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Paul Schneider, I'm a sports untold. I encourage my listeners to like, comment, and take a look at 
my show on Spotify, YouTube, and some other outlets. Go sportsandtoldpodcast.com. Having a lot of fun talking to UPS basketball player Will Pollard today, having, having a fun conversation. Um, who's the best player you played with, either in high school or college? Either you played with or against. If you had to pick one player, who, who's the best you, you, you uh, played on the court with? Played so with or against? Yeah. Oh, geez. Uh, well, at Kings, I played with Tyler Linhart, who's actually going to UW. Um, so he was really talented. And then also a kid named Jordan Hansen, who's going to Idaho State. They're both a year younger than me. Um, geez. I mean, over the years, like growing up, I, I played against a lot of the Metro guys. Um, I mean, I played with Growing up, I played with uh, John Christophilus from O'Day, who's going to Creighton. I know his parents, by the way. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I played with uh, JT Tumaloa, who's the DN at Ohio State. Um, so that was a little more growing up, not quite in high school and college, but played. Uh, we played against Mount Sai one year, my junior year, and played against Jay Mullins, who's at St. Mary's. Um, so... Played against a lot of good talent over the years, but that's just a few. Like, least. Those are all, all the aforementioned or talented players. So, <laughs> but, but pick one. I'm going to put you in the spot. Okay, pick one. Uh, Who's the best of all those ones you mentioned? Okay. Um, in the high school slash college time, I guess I would say, I would say Tyler. Okay. Been, yeah. He's out the UW. Okay. Out the guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, this, this is one of my, these two questions I have asked almost every guest since late 2019. And I, I love, the answers I get. Um, you're a college basketball player. I want to know who's a living sports figure, somebody who's still with us. It can be a coach, a general manager, an owner, a player, any sport. If you had to pick one living sports figure, you'd love to have a conversation interview. Who would it be? Conversation with. Okay. Um, just give me a second. Or interview, you know, just a, a sit down. Yeah. Living, living sports figure, someone who's still with us. Um. Jeez, uh, I would say, I would say, I'll give my reason for this. It's pretty typical, but I would say, I would say LeBron. And the reason I, gosh, I'm such an overthinker. I'm probably missing a hundred people, but I'm just gonna gonna go with LeBron for this reason. Um, LeBron does a lot for his community, and he's really given back a lot. And I think through all you know, stardom and all the money he's made he's found ways to still contribute to where he came from. Uh, I think that would be a great interview. And then also just the fact that he's like one of the best basketball players of all time. Um, I'd love to have a conversation with him because I, I would too. So I've gotten a lot of answers of living sports figures. I mean, Charles Barkley, um, the list goes on Joe Montana, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, but actually no one guess who answered friend of mine who answered that question gave the answer of, um LeBron James is Greg Lewis former Husky basketball player or Husky football player who played in the NFL so Greg you and Greg have that in common you both answered Le LeBron James that question so all right well um who is a deceased sports figure in history someone who's no longer with us could be a coach general manager owner player that you would have loved to have chatted with or had a conversation oh, oh easily <laughs> again basketball player but Kobe um <laughs> and I that's an answer that probably a million people would give but in all honesty, like in terms of mentalities um, and mindsets about sports and life, he's got to be up there at the top, if not number one. Uh, I mean, he's just 
I've watched so many documentaries, watched interviews, read books about him. Um, and he's just, he's incredible. He's, he was just, he was a spitting encyclopedia of basketball and life knowledge about mentality. And that's why so many people were heartbroken when he passed away. Um, but I think, a, I think a conversation with him would change my life, uh, to be honest. I, he's just, he has, he has so much to offer. Um, and just being face to face with him and asking him questions would be an opportunity that a lot of people would love to have, including me. My friend, Granville Emerson, who also has a uh, podcast and a sports show, he answered Kobe that question. I had Granville on last year. Kobe was a complicated guy. I, I read a Jeff Perlman book about those, the, those early 2000s Lakers teams, and he, he wasn't always the warmest and sweetest teammate. But I think it's well, everything I've read about Kobe, when he got older, he kind of mellowed out a little more. Have you read some accounts like that too? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I mean, I think like when you're younger and when you're in the moment, you're trying to win. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of moving pieces and parts that can influence someone's personality around teammates um, and around coaches and all that. Um, I mean, with, with, with age comes knowledge um, most of the time. Not always, but I think in Kobe's, um, I mean, for Kobe, he's had so many, you know, experiences in the league with different players, different teammates, giving back to organizations. Uh, you learn a lot advocating for women's sports with his daughters. Um, and that's another reason why I really respect him too, um, is his um, advocating for women's sports. But I know I definitely, I've definitely read about what you're talking about and I think in the later years, he definitely came out and started talking a little bit more sense. <laughs> uh, well, he was just a major, major competitor. And he, I mean, it's hard yeah. to knock a guy with all those championships. So great competitor. You know, I'll never forget it, Will. I was, this is before the pandemic hit in late January of 2020. I, I was at a athletic club working out in Palm Desert, California. Got the news about Kobe's plane and, you know, got teary-eyed. Couldn't, couldn't believe it. It just, that was just a real, we lost him way too young. Yeah. No, I mean, and I think as with most, most people, I, I've probably read and read and listened to him more after his passing, just because, you know, I, you kind of start hearing more and you're kind of interested in what he has to say. And man, some of, some of those interviews are just life-changing, like just some of the, um, you know, little nuggets he has to say about basketball and life and mentality and hard work and all that stuff is it's phenomenal. Well, a college basketball player, you answered LeBron for the living sports figure you would love to chat with. You mentioned Kobe as a sports figure. You stayed, you stayed in the basketball lane. I did. Um, let me just have fun and do a follow-up. Who, who, who's a sports figure outside of basketball you would love to chat with or spend time with? Yeah. Um, let's see here. Jeez, put me on the spot real quick. Uh, I would say... To be a coach, general manager, owner, whoever. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say probably. Uh, oh, let's go, let's go, Russell Wilson. Let's go, Russell Wilson. And that's again, I'm from Seattle, so it's probably um, easy to say him. But again, another guy who's just a really quality person. I mean, not only just because his he has a great mentality about life and about sports and a great work ethic, as do most NFL players. Um, but he's a great character. And throughout my high school 
careers, I really learned a lot about their career. I really learned a lot about the importance of character and good character and their influence about people around you and bring them up as a leader. Um, and I think a talk with him would be a, be a leadership talk for sure. So that's definitely a guy I'd, I'd want to talk to. Interesting answer you gave uh, mentioning Russell Wilson. I had Ian Furness in my show uh, back in 2020, the K KJR Sports Rail host. And, and I asked Ian, who's a living figure you'd love to chat with. And he mentioned Russell Wilson. Now, Ian threw in a caveat. His caveat is, I'd want to make, if I could get Russell Wilson to really open up about what he feels, like to really open up. Because a lot of these quick interviews, you don't always get that deep and what, a, what someone's really thinking. So I like, I thought it was interesting how Ian threw in that additional uh thought that he'd really want to make sure he opens up if you were interviewing so yeah i know i i can definitely see what you're saying i mean he gets on an interview for 30 seconds and he's all you know positive happy you know glad our guys competed the way they did even though we fell short you know i'm sure there's a little bit more to it but at the end of the day if you can hold yourself like that on a consistent basis there's so many athletes that cannot do that <laughs> um and i know probably some of his haters think it's just a facade and he's just putting out this face and stuff. Um, but I think actually, I mean, his actions speak louder than his words, but his, his words are also impactful. So I, you know, I, I think that's a valid, valid point either way, if it's what he really thinks or what he wants to say, then I think it'd be a valuable interview either way. Um, no doubt about it, but like pinning Russell down what he really, how he really felt about how he's treated with the Seahawks' contract situation, how he really feels about his trade. That'd be interesting to like pin him down and get what he really, really thinks, you know, he has, oh, for he has sure. to be kind of political about it, but oh, for sure. Uh, my producer Lucius has a question for you. Just one second here. Uh, let me get this question from Lucius. Bear with me. I just saw it and I lost it. Um, Lucius has a question here. Um, it's about the college pay issue. There's a lot of controversy surrounding paying college athletes. Um, what's, I guess Lucius wants to know, what's the most common perspective you've heard and what's your perspective on the whole issue of, of this whole debate of paying college athletes? Yeah, so it's actually funny. My sophomore year, I had a debate, or freshman year, we had a debate um, about it in my, my freshman English class and we had to bring in all these sources. And... It's, controver it's controversial because um, I, I, on one end, I really think that college athletes bring a lot of money into schools <laughs> and that's the, that's reality. And that's a, a lot about what people argue um, in terms of like, you know, March Madness is obviously a very common one, but athletes bring a lot of money into schools and they work really hard. They put a lot of time and it's, it's basically a full-time job for them. So on that end, you know, you can say, they should get paid. Um, but there's also a lot of arguments the other way, you know, it's they're college athletes, they're getting a free education, you know, that's also valid, a valid point too. Uh, it's hard, you know, I can, I read one article about it and go one way and read another and go the other. Um, but I think college athletes think that from the most common standpoint I hear is the college athletes say college athletes should get paid. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's a sport and it's a sport they should love regardless of whether they're getting paid or not. Um, especially the D3 level. That's what a lot of people say. D3 athletes really love the sport they play. <laughs> um, but you know, it's a tough, it's tough. It's a, it's a tough, uh, tough argument. They make a lot of money for the schools and some of that money doesn't go back to them. Some of it does, you know, facilities are awesome and their opportunities are awesome. Um, but 
at the end of the day, I think that this is off the pain athletes, but I think colleges should really hone in on financial literacy for uh, division one athletes or any, any athlete, not just division one, but I mean, a lot of athletes come in division one, hoping they can play pro one day. And if they don't play pro, or even if they do, they get a lot of money in their hands right away and don't know what to do with it. Um, so, I mean, paying college athletes could teach them how to handle money or it could just, I don't know. There's it's, a, it's controversial. Who knows? <laughs> you know, what, one thing I've talked to a couple of guests about is the idea of having workers' compensation laws apply to college athletes where injured athletes can be able to have protections yeah. and have medical benefits that could be even lifelong. I think that would be a pretty fair thing. Uh, yeah, no, I'm so. glad you brought that up. That was definitely another thing. Yeah. You know, there's so many there's so many aspects to it, and that's definitely another thing that when I presented my argument, whatever way I was assigned to argue, that's another thing that I um, brought, was bringing up in the conversation was a little injuries thing. Like so many college athletes get injured and can't play for their sports for the next four years and can never, I don't know, whatever bigger injuries, lifelong injuries they have. So it's also another thing that can be talked about too. Yeah, uh, I had the the, the well-known lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, on last year. And Dershowitz brought an interesting point. He, he says that maybe the players that get the big contract shouldn't be paid. Uh, but um, the ones that, that don't, maybe some funds should be set up for them. So it seems like there's some hybrid models for call, for paying college athletes, just food for thought. So, yeah. You know, so there, there's a lot there. It's a complicated issue. Well, this may be my final question for you. Okay. Well, what, a, what an enjoyable uh, podcast discussion. It's just fun to hear from a, uh, a current college basketball player. What is your favorite sports movie? Ooh, my favorite sports movie um i would say enjoyment wise coach carter um and i learned a lot a lot of life lessons out of that movie but i definitely say coach carter uh not only is it really just you know it's moving you know you learn a lot about puts life into perspective um puts sports into perspective really and acting was great and phenomenal but i'd say coach carter i think that's i mean white man can't jump what White Man Can't Jump is always up there, but I think in terms of like a lifelong movie, a movie that I learned the most from was Coach Carter. Love it. Nobody had mentioned Coach Carter yet. That was a good sports movie. I've gotten We Are Marshall, Rudy, Any Given Sunday, so many, but um, Brian Song, but, but I, it's fun. I'm glad you mentioned Coach Carter. Yeah. Well, sure. really enjoyed it. I will uh, continue to stay in touch with you and get some updates on what you're up to. And thank you for coming on the Sports Untold podcast. Thank you. I really appreciate it. You too, Will. You take care. Thanks.